Seinfeld, the boyfriend, is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are hopefully going to take you to the podcast version of First Base. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Akiva Winokur. I feel like if any day is about something, today the podcast is about something. Yes, yes, because we have a very exciting episode. I think that this is a watershed moment in the history of Seinfeld to get to The Boyfriend. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of the first, you know, sort of uh, stepping point. Like we've had important episodes like Chinese Restaurant, Subway, the parking garage. Um, the deal is, I guess, kind of important, even if it's not a great episode. But this is really. This is, we're breaking new ground here. Yes, I think we are. So we're talking about, of course, if you are not familiar with what episode we're discussing, this is where Keith Hernandez came to Seinfeld. It's a two-part episode, originally aired on February 12th, 1992. And this, to me, is a very important episode because I feel like this was the moment in which I feel like the world at large started to take notice of Seinfeld. Um, yeah, I, I think like sort of breaking the wall of having like a real person instead of just mentioning, you know, Joe DiMaggio or uh, Woody Allen, you know, and actually having them on first, it's like a stepping point for the show to, you know, to have sort of the juice to get that person. Um, I do question, and I guess this is probably a better question for you. How famous was Keith Hernandez when this episode aired? See, I think that Keith Hernandez was famous at the time in 1992, surely, especially in New York. And I feel like this is the episode that got a lot of people, at least in New York, watching Seinfeld at that time, especially a lot of Mets fans. There was a lot of buzz. Oh, did you hear Keith Hernandez is going to be on this show, Seinfeld? And so I think this was, for a lot of people, their first taste of Seinfeld because they heard about it. Now, Keith Hernandez, I'm not sure if he played uh, baseball in 92. What was his last year? with the Mets 90 or 91 like he went off to the Indians and and then you know you really didn't see him again and so after leaving the Mets in whatever 89 90 then this was I think the first time you saw him back if you were a Mets fan right because he was he was it was a long time before he came back to announce which he does now yeah and so it was tied in. He was playing himself. He had the whole thing with Roger McDowell. And I think that there's such a big connection between Jerry Seinfeld and the Mets. And I think that so many Mets fans became Seinfeld fans in this moment. And I think really it started the runaway train that was going to be this big hit show. Although, sadly, the show mostly focused on the Yankees in the years to come. Yeah, it would, but it's a very New York show. And I think that, you know, talking about George Steinbrenner was going to be something that was going to appeal to everybody. And also the fact that NBC had the confidence to put these two shows on in a one hour and give it a big like vote of confidence to do a one hour show. I think that a lot of people were really, really excited about what they potentially had in Seinfeld. Yeah, um, a lot of the two-parter episodes are, you know, back-to-back weeks or they're, you know, loosely connected. But this is really just a one-hour episode. Yeah, I feel like this was sort of an event on February 12th, 1992. Uh, one of the things that I wish we had, um, and, you know, maybe someone will, will, it'll turn up on YouTube, but I have not been able to find them. It would be cool to see, like, the promos, like, the commercials. I would love to see, like, how they build this, mm-hmm. you know, in the week 
in the week coming up to like the episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, like how do like how do they promote the soup Nazi beforehand? I'd be curious, but uh that stuff really uh it's you know, even on YouTube you can't find it. Okay. Well, we have so much to get to. Of course, this is our first one hour episode of Seinfeld that we are gonna be talking about. So no news this week, right, Akiva? Uh, yeah, we got We have a lot to do, a lot of heavy lifting. All right. All I'm going to tell you is that, of course, this is Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. You can find us on iTunes at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. We had some exciting news this week that the Android version of the Rob Has a Podcast app, which, of course, is uh, all of the podcasting that I do between Rob Has a Podcast, my reality TV stuff, plus all of our scripted stuff on post-show recaps. You can hear that all now on our Android app. If you go to robhasawebsite.com slash Android or for the iOS version of our app, you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash iOS. Hear everything post-show recaps, not just the Seinfeld recap podcast. That's exciting. I'm an Android guy. Oh, who knew? Um, I feel like people would have guessed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Akiva, let's jump into talking about the boyfriend and we're going to start with Jerry doing some stand up talking about uh putting a lock on our clothes at the gym because uh, people are, you know, trying to potentially steal our clothes so we need to keep them under very tight security. Yeah, I mean I guess that doesn't hold up because now you're really locking your you know, your first of all, I guess even then you were probably locking your wallet. But, you know, you're locking, you're locking all your electronics and stuff like that now. Yeah. At the time, though, did I, like, have a certain space? Was it like a locker in high school where I always went to the same locker and, like, kept my stuff at the gym? See, I don't, I, I'm not a gym guy, shockingly. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I, I really never, I never had any kind of gym membership. I'm not sure. Uh, I know in, in high school we wouldn't lock our lockers and there was a book bandit. A book bandit? Yeah, we never figured out who the book bandit was. Oh, my God. That could be its own Seinfeld episode. I, I actually, there was one guy who was suspected. My books were never stolen, so I guess when I was in high school, I never cared. And I asked um, a guy I was, like, casually acquainted with, uh, like, seven years later when I just happened to run into him if he was the book bandit. And he has not spoken to me since. Interesting. So he either, you were on to him or he was so upset with the accusation of being the book bandit. Yeah, I'm not sure which one. Well, you know who you should get on this? Uh, yeah, we should get Mr. Bookman. Yeah, Lieutenant Bookman. Get him on That's that right. on the case. If he's still working the rounds. I don't know. He could be retired. I think he's retired. He's not on the alternate side, though. No, he didn't retire to the great bookstore in the sky. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So this episode also starts with something very unusual once the actual action starts. The title to the episode is on the screen. The Boyfriend, which did you see that as well? Yeah, it's the only episode that has the title. It's also the only episode where there seems to be some confusion about what the name of the episode is. Now, I saw a preview for the episode or on the DVD they have where Jerry Seinfeld sets up the episode and he calls it The New Friend. Um, Larry David in the Inside Look calls it The New Friend or The Boyfriend. So it seems like this has two different titles, this episode. Was the reason that they put the titles on the screen was because there was some confusion whether this episode was called The Boyfriend or The New Friend? I think they were just maybe because they were making an event, they were trying something by putting the title on the screen. I think at the time, I, I wonder when the episode aired, if it said the new friend on the screen and now we're just watching the syndicated version on the DVDs that says the boyfriend. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, I think now it's safe to just call the episode The Boyfriend because that's really what it's become universally known as. Why the change in the name? Like there's so many names that are just like the truth and stuff like, stuff like that that like are so irrelevant. Why change the name of this episode from the new friend to the boyfriend? What's the difference? I'm not sure, but it does work better because the, the second plot with, uh, with George also is like a boyfriend subplot as opposed to a new friend. Ah, okay. But wouldn't that make it the boyfriends? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, you know, again, we're putting more thought into it than they did. See, I thought it would be a double, it was double meaning of that we have, obviously, Elaine dates Keith Hernandez, but also uh, that, you know, Jerry has a friend who is a boy. That's true. It's funny, in one of the uh, first inside looks, maybe in the male unbonding one, which is the episode that's not titled The, the only episode, uh, Larry says that they did the thes for every episode because he didn't want the writing writer's room to sit for a few hours every week and, and think of an episode like a clever episode title. Yeah. So Larry would not approve of this conversation. And it's funny that you mentioned male unbonding because Larry says that this episode is also a bookend to male unbonding because the male unbonding episode was when Jerry is trying to get rid of a friend who was his friend from when he's a kid. And the premise of this episode is that it's very awkward to make a new guy friend when you're in your 30s. Yeah, that ties together. And really everything we're going to discuss ties together, I guess, in the podcast and the episode. All right, so let's start with we are at the gym, and apparently there was a big pickup basketball game going on at the gym with Jerry and Kramer and George. Can you envision this game in your head, Akiva? Yeah, I feel like they challenged a group of guys who looked older and slower, and then they lost 11-0. Do you think they ever played basketball again, these three? Yeah, because they play with uh, the Jimmy. Jimmy, the Jimmy. That's right. <laughs> uh, so they do. They're in that probably the same gym. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, there isn't a ton of basketball. Yeah. I mean, they move on to tennis. But yeah, I, I think um, Jimmy can I, I jump. <laughs> Jimmy can do a lot of things. I think they got smoked in this game. If I had to guess, though. <laughs> well, we find out that all Jerry does is dribble, but all George does is shoot. He's a chucker. Yeah, I feel like we've all known a chucker in our days. <laughs> He asked Kramer, Kramer, am I a chucker? He said, oh, you're a chucker. I, I can empathize with a chucker because if you're ever, if I was ever like the guy on the court who was not getting the ball, if I got the ball, I was shooting. See, I'm the guy, I'd be a passer. I'm passing all the time. I don't want the ball. I'm not open. I don't want to take the shot. I don't want everybody to be mad at me when I miss the shot. Yeah, I like playing point guard when I would play basketball. But, you know, after my third time down the court, they would, you know, they'd wise up that I wasn't good and someone else would start taking the ball down. Okay. So Kramer also talks about, hey, this is the first time we all saw each other naked. Yeah. I mean, you got to love Kramer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, so he, he, Kramer obviously is going to look, first of all, Jerry and George have probably seen each other naked. I mean, they went to high school together. You know, they had those ridiculous jock straps and everything. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so Kramer says he definitely snuck a peek. Jerry says he didn't want to have that information. George also admits that he peeked. Yeah, I mean, this is all very uh, according to type. Like, Jerry wouldn't look, Kramer would obviously look, and George would lie about not looking. Yeah. So, Kramer tells us he has to go meet Newman, and we get him out of the way. Uh, yeah, this is, this is great, Newman. This is like peak Newman. Yeah. And so, we have Newman back here, and I feel like Newman really seals his place in the cast with his return in this episode. Yeah, he becomes the fifth Beatle. Although, I don't like the fact that he's wearing a Mets hat. I wish it was a different team. Oh, why? Because you don't want Newman as a Mets fan? 
Yeah, Newman would be a Yankee fan. Yeah, he would be. But I would say that in my mind, I think Newman is a big front runner. And I bet that Mets hat became a Yankee hat by the mid 90s. And then once the Yankees started winning World Series, I think I bet Newman wore a Yankee hat. Yeah, I was about to say that also. Exactly. Yeah, the 92 season has the 92 debacle of a season has not kicked off. The boyfriend is actually the high point for the Mets in 1992. Yeah, this is still the Kevin Moss Yankees. Yeah. So Kramer's going to go see Newman and Jerry looks over. There's Keith Hernandez stretching in the gym. I also like that this is like such a classic sitcom thing that he's three feet away from him. They're having like a loud conversation and obviously he doesn't hear it. You always pick up on that stuff. Well, although I although I guess you could say at the end that maybe he does hear it because how else does he know that George is a chucker when he calls him a chucker at the end of the season? <laughs> oh, so you think he knew or you think he was watching the game? It's possible he was watching the game. So Jerry already knows a lot about Keith Hernandez. He knows that he's a Civil War buff when he points it out to George about, hey, look, there's Keith, there's Keith Hernandez. But George is like, ah, are you sure? Are you sure that's Keith Hernandez? How does anybody not recognize Keith Hernandez that is allegedly a New York sports fan? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but I guess he didn't have cable. There's no internet. Yeah. He hasn't seen him in a couple of years, right? Because he had retired already. I, I mean, it's, it's a bad job by George, but it's not as unfathomable as it, as it would be today. And George goes from not really knowing a lot about Keith Hernandez. Well, are you sure? But then he seems to then know a lot about Keith Hernandez then from this point on. Yeah, maybe he just has bad facial recognition, George. Yeah, maybe his glasses need a update for the prescription. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's amazing that uh, Keith recognizes Jerry here. Because, yeah. like, I, we always wonder, like, how famous is Jerry? We're always asking that. Yeah. Well, maybe is, also Keith Hernandez is, is a big comedy buff. It's possible. Maybe he's a comedy, like, and maybe he's, like, his real niche is, like, Civil War comedy. Civil War comedy, yeah, for all those Civil War comedians that are out there killing it. So Jerry says, hey, maybe we should go talk to him. And George is like, uh, why would he talk to you? You know, he's Keith Hernandez. You're Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, do you have any like celebrity encounters like this that like a guy you saw and you're like, oh, I'm so nervous. I don't want to talk to him. Boy, and then, and then like in this episode that the person actually knew who I was. No, no, let's not because <laughs> I don't have any like that. <laughs> no, no, just that you saw someone and you're like, should I go over there? I'm too nervous. Yeah, I think every single person I've ever seen, I think I think that. I mean, I guess you live in L.A., so that probably happens yeah. more often than most places. I I had this, I told you, with Wayne Knight I saw one time, and I was like... Oh, that's uh, right. I but, shouldn't go over there. <laughs> but but you, you never away. go over there? You always no. stay away. Yeah. Um, I had this recently, in, like a year and a half ago, I was on a plane with Antonio Cromartie. Yeah, and how many children were with Several, him? several. And, that's, and oh. then Antonio Cromartie and I, we both had, a, had babies on the plane. And we had to both, we both needed to find our stroller and they moved all of the strollers to the, like, usually they're like when you get it right off the plane, but they move them to where you pick up the luggage. And then uh, me and Antonio Cromartie had to go look for the stroll. And I found where the strollers were. And I told Antonio Cromartie, they're over there. And then the jets like uh, cut him like uh, very soon after that. Was he flying first class? No, he's in coach with like five or six other people. He looked to have about uh, $200 worth of Buffalo Wild Wings that he uh, purchased at the airport. Uh, that he brought onto the plane? I yeah. hate those guys. Like yeah. they, they, they bring all the smelly food onto the plane. I don't know if it was smelly. I mean, I couldn't really uh, get a sense of w what he was doing. But then he did purchase. He had a lot of people with him. He purchased a lot of food at the airport. 
you know what the power move is. What's that? Like in life, you want to have enough money to fly first class, but not enough money that your family can also fly first class. So they're all in coach? Yeah, so like your wife and the, and the kids are in coach and you're in first class. Yeah, like four or five people uh, with him. He didn't uh, ask me to help him move though. Antonio Cromartie. Second time he meets you, he will for sure though. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so Keith Hernandez knows Jerry Seinfeld and he's talking to him and he's a big fan of his comedy. Yeah, all right. So now we know Jerry's been on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Jerry's pretty famous. He's famous enough that Keith Hernandez knows who he is, and he's the 79 MVP. <laughs> I'm Keith Hernandez. Yeah. And so he says that he really likes the Jimmy Olsen bit. Refresh my memory. What is the Jimmy Olsen bit? Oh, I don't think that. We haven't heard that bit yet. Okay. So I that think, we're just I referencing think... a bit that we haven't heard on the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just referencing, like, uh, I, I, they're just thinking of, like, a random funny thing. I don't... I don't think Jerry does like a lot of, you know, he doesn't do that many. I mean, what Jimmy Olsen's Superman, right? No, Jimmy Olsen is the photographer that works at the Daily Planet. Well, I mean, he's in the Superman yes. Uh, universe. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, he doesn't have, he, I don't think he has a Jimmy Olsen bit. Okay. I, th- I bet he does if we were to look it up on YouTube. Like we, or Jerry we haven't Seinfeld, seen it. Jimmy Let's Olsen. put it that way. We have not seen a Jimmy Olsen bit yet. And George wants to ask Keith Hernandez about the, all the teams flying around. Uh, how come there's never been a plane crash? Yeah, I mean, people do say that sometimes. Uh, first of all, you don't follow Russian hockey, George. Second of all, because they're, they're there's a lot of plane crashes in these like small sort of like Eastern European, uh, um, you know, sports teams. But, but uh, people do, you know, think that, but uh, you don't really ask it. Yeah, also uh, the events of We Are Marshall. Uh, when are those about to happen? Yeah, those have happened already. That's like the 70s. Oh, it was the 70s? Okay. So you would think that maybe George is just trying to uh, think of other disasters that could happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's never happened in baseball, to my knowledge. I guess that's good. Yes. But he doesn't let it go. He just keeps going ahead and trying to uh, talk about it. Yeah, that's George for you. Yes. Okay. So uh, he doesn't let it go. And finally, we get Keith Hernandez talking about George saying, uh, who's this chucker? Yeah, so he knows he's a chucker. Yeah. I'm gonna say he I'm gonna say he watched the game from the bleachers. Probably. He was scouting these guys. He, you know, he wants to he wants to play them next time he goes to the gym. That's right. All right. So Jerry and Elaine, three days later, uh, at the cafe, uh, Jerry's saying, Can you believe it's been three days? He gave his number to uh, Keith Hernandez and he hasn't called. And we are starting to see this uh, very funny pl- thing play out where Jerry is in the traditional female role of, oh, he gave me his number. Why hasn't he called? What's like the proper amount of days to call? Yes, yes. And it's three days. I mean, this is pushing the limit. Yeah, but also maybe Keith thinks that like Jerry's not, you know, Keith doesn't want to be too eager. We see Keith also has an inner monologue. He's concerned with what other people think. Yes. And so he's Keith Hernandez and he's very concerned about, uh, you know, he he seems a little unsure about himself. Uh, Yeah, you know, you think that uh, a guy like that, he's the 79 MVP, he'd have all the confidence in the world. But, you know, he's still he's still a little nervous about things like all of us. Uh, Yeah, he puts on his pants, uh, you know, one pant at a time. Yeah, he just goes out and makes gold records afterwards. It's very funny that. Jerry is talking about like, but why does he take your number? And then they call, he thinks he can call anytime he wants. Well, he's got another thing coming. And Elaine tells him that one time she met a guy and he didn't call for a month. And boy, uh, Jerry is going to be very upset if that's the case. Let's be fair. Elaine still, you know, went out with that guy. 
Probably, probably. Um, Elaine's pushing Jerry to call from the coffee shop. That's a weird, you know, we later on in the series, of course, in, in fact, in the finale, we go over the levels of phone call. Yes. And, you know, like, call, you know, calling, uh, you know, like the, the coffee shop phone call for a first date. That's a little over the top. It's a little over the top. It seems a little desperate. Yeah, you don't want to see him. You know, he's going to say, what's that crashing noise in the background? Go, oh, nothing. Yeah. It's just cream. Yeah. <laughs> and so Elaine says maybe he's out of town. Jerry doesn't care if he's out of town. What, they don't have phones out of town? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Keith, he does not up to much now between his, uh, his playing career and his broadcasting career. He should have nothing but time to call Jerry. Yeah. And so he's talking about, you know, should I call him for dinner? Is that coming up too strong? And then Elaine ultimately ends the scene by saying, Jerry, he's a guy. Like, you know, sort of a funny way to close it out. And, and, you know, Jerry and Elaine are going to have a really fun uh, interaction uh, a number of times throughout this episode. Yeah. And really every word that comes that comes out in this episode is really tied up at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we go back and see some more stand up. Jerry talks about making friends as you're a kid uh, versus when you are in your 30s. Jerry says when you're a kid, if somebody was just in front of your house, uh, you'd be friends with them. And if you liked anything the same, you were best friends with them. Akiva, is this true? Well, certainly the 30s part. You know, we're both in our 30s. Yes. Um, you know, and you've already said you're done making friends. <laughs> well, I think I was done making friends uh, probably at a very early age. Right. And not I necessarily mean, I, by my choice. I do see that. You know, your, your friends, like, even if you see someone every day, in your head, your real friends are like, uh, you know, if you're going to be best man at somebody's wedding, you know, tomorrow, it's going to be somebody you went to high school with or college with or grew up, you know, next door to you. It's not going to be like a guy you just met two years ago. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. You don't really meet any new best friends, really. Yeah. And, and, and the kids thing also rings true, because if you think about some of your childhood friends, like you had nothing in common with them. The only thing that kept you together was just like proximity. You know, yeah. Accessibility or proximity. Totally. <laughs> All right, so let's go to George and start to introduce his storyline in this episode. He's at the unemployment office seeking a 13-week extension. You know, in watching this episode back, I think it was pretty clear to see that all of the scenes in the office here at the unemployment, I think they shot them all at once because I think George and the woman are wearing the same exact clothes every time we go back there. And also, like, the same, like, people are in the background. Yeah, that's an interesting call. Um, I do wonder, I mean, again, when they were filming this episode, I think they were still debating whether to make it an hour or a half hour because they, like, as he says in the inside, look, they had maybe, you know, 45 minutes worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, but what he seems to say is that the Elaine uh, at the bar scenes with, with Keith were sort of the things that were thrown in and not the George scenes. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe George is just wearing the same suit and because he only has one suit. But I mean, George is definitely wearing the same clothes every single time they cut back to this. Yeah, but it also it makes sense that they would film out of order. And again, this is not a big money show yet. You know, they're probably still they're still on a tight budget. Yeah, it just makes sense that they would shoot out this one location, you know, shoot all the scenes that are there all in a row. Yeah, do you do you like the uh do you like the um the mom here, the the unemployment lady? Well, we talked about her recently that she is uh on the alternate side now, right? No, I think I think uh and it was my mistake. I think when we discussed it, um I had just seen the news and I I said that she had passed and then I think I corrected myself and said the daughter had passed. Oh, the daughter, the woman that George goes on the date with? 
Yes, the woman who that George goes on the date with. Oh, I feel uh, like that's sad because she was younger. Right, exactly. That's that's why I made the mistake when I saw the article. I'm like, oh, the, the lady from The Boyfriend. And I, I kind of assumed it was the older woman. But then when I clicked the article, I realized, uh, oh, this is Carol Ann Susie. This was uh, the date, the lady who went on the date with George. Yeah. All right. So we George wants a 13-week extension on the unemployment. This is a good answer to a lot of the questions that we had about George recently. Uh, how is he able to just be unemployed and, you know, have all these days to himself and do stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes sense. You know, do you know what, I mean, have you ever collected unemployment? I haven't. No, I have. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of truth to this. I mean, in the later years of, you know, technology, um, I think it's a lot easier. You don't have to go to an office uh, to do it. But no, I definitely have. And there is a lot of truth to like, boy, you know, I got to, you know, even if you're looking for stuff like, you know, they want to see like a report of what you're doing and, you know, you might not, you know, uh, go out and, you know, find, you know, seven or eight things that you want to. So sometimes, you know, you really have to, uh, it is a lot of work to fill out that paperwork. Yeah. I was speaking to someone like a year or two ago who, uh, was unemployed and they were planning on using the time to go on like a six month, like South American, uh, vacation. Yeah. And they came back very quickly afterwards. And uh, he said that he went, he was in Brazil. And every month he had to go, you know, just like click a few um, buttons online. And they caught him that he was doing it from an IP outside the United States. And they cut him off immediately. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he had to come back to America. Very sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So George is telling the woman in the office about an interview he went on at Vanderlei Industries. Now, is this the return of Vanderlei Industries? Of Have we heard it uh, since the first season? Um, yeah, we've heard Vanderlei Industries um, once since. Uh, but this is the first time latex gets put into the equation. OK. Yeah, it was an uh, importer exporter. Previously. Uh, yeah, although he's not really importing and exporting the latex. Yeah, this is latex manufacturing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so she wants a phone number to put down or an address first. Uh, and she takes a piece of gum and George is asking her, you like gum? I, I've got a great gum guy. I'll get boxes of gum out here. What was George going to do? Just like buy her boxes of gum and bring it to her? I mean, probably knowing George, he probably would have bought like used gum from like Jimmy Sacamano's, uh, you know, father's house or something. Okay. Um, the address that he gives is that, does he give Jerry's apartment address? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, and then he gives the phone number, uh, KL five, eight, three, eight, three. And it takes you out of it a little bit, right? It takes you out of it. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, he gives Jerry's phone number. And so he needs to go immediately and call Jerry and tell him to answer the phone as Vanderlei Industries. And this is very funny because of the way that they pay this off. George goes and finds a kid that's in a payphone. And then he takes him and, like, really tosses the kid out of the payphone. Yeah, it's, like, cartoonish. <laughs> yeah. And he calls up, and Kramer is on the phone t- telling a uh, golf story on Jerry's phone. And then it's very funny because George is so manic and frantic, and he gets through, and Kramer basically hangs up on him. Yeah, I mean, Kramer, this, Kramer's specialty in the series is, like, ignoring important phone calls. Yeah. And meanwhile, we go to see more about what Jerry is doing. He's asking Elaine, how is this shirt? And perhaps this is the most hideous shirt we've seen through three seasons of Seinfeld to this point. 
Yeah, in a show that's basically at this point famous for terrible clothing. This one is our clubhouse leader. Yeah, it's hard to tell, though, how terrible it's supposed to be because, you know, both Elaine and Kramer comment on how the shirt is busy. So I'm not sure if it was supposed to be bad, that bad in 1992, or just supposed to be a little bad and it's become horrendously bad throughout time. Yeah, I mean, it was plausible then uh, that he would wear it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was the 90s. It was hammer time. It was a different time. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get like a big laugh reaction when he walks out of the bedroom like he's wearing the puffy shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, although it is worth mentioning now that you say that the audience is out of control in this episode. Yeah, yeah. They're laughing. They're like laughing like hyenas a lot of the time. They said when we get to the uh, talking about the magic loogie that they had to turn down the audience laughing in this episode. Which is crazy because if you're listening for the audience, they're screaming. Yeah, it got too loud. It got too loud. So they think he's trying too hard. And finally, uh, we find out that Kramer's on the phone with Michael of Michael and Carol. They want Jerry and Elaine to come see the baby. Yeah, um, of course, these are the same uh, Michael and Carol that they're going to have a second baby. <laughs> oh, good. And that's and that's going to be the baby we meet in the Hamptons, although we don't actually see the baby. Yes, I hear it's breathtaking. He is breathtaking. <laughs> and if you'll notice, really to tie this together, uh, when George sees the picture of the daughter at the unemployment office, he says she's breathtaking. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. They're setting up next season already. <laughs> there you go. Or season five, season five even. That has to be a coincidence though, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's the same writers thinking of funny adjectives for people's looks. Probably <laughs> yeah. a coincidence. Coincidence. Okay, so we have George in the taxi and he's like telling the guy which lanes to switch. Now, do you think this is a real Larry David thing that he would do? Because we heard on Howard Stern recently about how Larry David uh, used to be a taxi driver. Do you think that this was a real thing from Larry David's life? Um, I, yeah, but I wonder if he experienced it as a driver because we would, I, it's fair to say that he'd also be a backseat driver himself. Yeah. So the cab driver, like physically, like assaults George and makes him get out of the cab. Yeah. And we know it's in a, it's like a, it's a felony to assault your cab driver, right? It says that in like in the back of all the cabs, but it doesn't mention what happens if the cabbie beats you up. Yeah. All right, so we go to Jerry's apartment, and uh, he's you know a little more talk about the shirt. And Jerry is talking to Kramer, and Kramer finds out about Keith Hernandez. Uh, and here comes Newman. Yeah, it was June fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Now, Akiva, I did some research on this. Now, this game that they talk about, uh, Mets versus Phillies, where Keith Hernandez's error leads to five runs, I believe, in the ninth inning. Uh, this game did not exist. Uh, yeah, I think, was it the big lead that did a lot of research as to whether this game, you know, it was just a different day or whether it happened. And there were certain things that you could find in different months of the year, but that there's no real game that, you know, that this is based on. Yeah. Um, do you want to give us the story as per Newman of what happened? All right. So it's, you know, it's a little technical. So let's try and do this together here. Okay. After the game and the Mets have lost and Newman and Kramer are upset. Right, they're waiting outside the players' parking lot, which, by the way, is something only crazy people do. Yes. <laughs> I, I, apologies if anyone's actually done that. Maybe if you have a kid with you or something, but you're not getting autographs from like the players' parking lot, I would guess. Okay. Anyway, so um, so Keith Hernandez walks on by because that's what happens. The players can just walk past the 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 fans with you know with no barrier and no security. 
Yes. And Newman says to uh, Keith, nice game, pretty boy. Nice game, pretty boy. And according to Kramer and Newman's version of the story, yes. lo and behold, Kramer it finds himself uh, being spat upon. Yes. And so basically what's happened in the story is that they've walked past Keith Hernandez. Uh, they said, nice game, pretty boy. But then they are hit by a uh, spit from like the opposite direction, pretty much. Yes. And right, right. So it boils down to what direction, because according to uh, Kramer and Newman's story, uh, Kramer was hit first and then right, it bounces off of Newman's uh, <laughs> yes. um, ribs. Yes. And then, and then it, then he gets some on his hand. Yes. And, and then um, the third spot is, I'm doing this all from memory, but the third spot um, was um, uh, on, onto his thigh. Yeah. And so this is a big like JFK assassination reenactment. Now, I had never seen the movie JFK, and I'm going to hazard to guess that you have not seen the movie JFK, Akiva. Yeah, that wasn't much of a hazard. That was, you know, that was. That was I'm going to sure sick. thing a guess that you have yeah, not exactly. seen the movie <laughs> JFK. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is that in the movie JFK, when they talk about the, you know, the magic bullet and Kevin Costner is sort of explaining this, Wayne Knight is an actor in the scene and he's one of the guys that Kevin Costner is demonstrating on. And so it's a very funny symmetry that Wayne Knight is in this scene and in the JFK scene of this. Right. And, uh, and Wayne Knight points out that his name in the movie was Numa. Numa. <laughs> Yeah. So Numa, Numin, Numin, Numa. And so we get this whole thing. And Jerry also tells us in the inside, looks, he was very proud of himself for nailing this take. Uh, he said this was the first take when he did it. Uh, yeah, this is really, you know, Jerry's probably one of his best acting moments of the whole series. Yeah. And he caps it with that is one magic loogie. Right. I mean, that's got to be a top 10 most famous you know, line of the whole series. Really? That's one magic loogie? Maybe, um, I'd say not amongst casuals. Like, I don't know if, um, you know, someone who's watched the episodes but isn't, you know, uh, a Seinfeld podcaster. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think amongst the fans, that's got to be in the top 20. And I'll say a line that happens in a few minutes is also probably in the top 20. I would say that probably uh, back end of the top 20, if even, I feel like... Uh, I feel like you and I could probably come up with 20 off the top of our heads to top. That's one magic loogie. All right. Well, maybe we'll have a list. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. But I mean, I'm going to say these pretzels are making me thirsty for sure. Tops it. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's up there. Anyway, the scene is unbelievable and it goes on for a long time, but it's the whole time. It's great. Yeah. And so Jerry alleges that maybe there was a second spitter. Yeah, so this is really, um, are you into like the, I, I'm assuming you're not one of these like conspiracy theorist guys. I don't spend a lot of time on the JFK assassination. <laughs> what about other conspiracy theories? <laughs> it's funny in the inside looks though, that they said that one of the writers, I think Tom, uh, Tom Leopold, is that a guy? Tom Leopold. Yeah. One of the writers who, uh, who never returns my tweets. Yes. Yeah. They said, uh, he's a big assassination buff. I feel like that's a very dark thing to be a buff about. That is a very specific thing, although I do have to say, um, I was, I was um, looking up some case that I'd never heard of, some sort of uh, unsolved case, and I went down, uh, do you ever go down like a Google black hole? <laughs> yeah, a Wikipedia, sure. A Wikipedia black hole, and I, I no joke, uh, last night, 
I spent about two and a half hours just on like uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Whoa. And it was not, not the television show Unsolved right. Mysteries, but, uh, you know, un, un, mysteries that, that were unsolved or. Most interesting or, uh, Unsolved Mystery you learned about. Serial? Well, uh, first, I mean, it was really time consuming. Like the, I watched the whole documentary last night about um, the, the lady on the Taconic Parkway who uh, drove with her kids. Yeah. You remember this story? No. It was very, I don't even want to go into it so much because it's a very dark story. But uh, she um, was driving her kids and uh, her nieces home from, um, from like, a, a, you know, a summer, like in the, in the cat, like a summer weekend trip in the Catskills or okay. Poconos, whatever. Sounds nice. And um, she was uh, intoxicated. And um, well, afterwards they found, you know, her blood alcohol level and possibly marijuana. And, and anyway, she got into an accident because she drove onto oncoming traffic. And everyone but um, one of her daughters was deceased. Uh, so I watched that whole movie last night after this whole like three hour. Well, what's the mystery of that? It sounds like she got drunk and drove the car. So the movie is really good because the um, the husband is convinced that she, you know, either had a stroke. I mean, he's grasping for straws. So this is not really such an unsolved mystery. I kind of just watched that <laughs> because. Um, you know, it's so it's so interesting seeing the guy, and you don't really agree with him. Yeah, but um, there's there are some there are some really good ones. I was also the uh, the Amanda Knox stuff. You know, she was the girl in Italy who. Uh, yes, I fell asleep. I, I watched two last night, but I fell asleep ten minutes in, so I have no nothing really to report on that one. Okay, so uh, uh, unsolved mysteries with Akiva could be a thing <laughs> coming soon. Our, there's a lot. We yeah. might have to have like our unsolved mystery of the week. Yeah, yeah, you could be like the new Sarah Koenig. Uh, yeah, I, I like the music from Serial. If we could just get <laughs> the music do. on this, if we could just get the music on this podcast, that'd be fine. I don't need to be Sarah Koenig. That's fine. So, uh, eventually, uh, Newman says that, uh, Jerry is a nut and he, and he leaves. Uh, we do get a disheveled George, uh, running in. Yeah. I mean, George, every time George runs in this episode, it's great. Yeah. Like, I wonder how. Does he like run a marathon beforehand before he comes in to like look this? I don't know. Uh, or he's doing like jumping jacks or whatever <laughs> on the set. Uh, he runs in and says, you know, Vanderlei Industries, you have to answer the phone, Vanderlei Industries. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, at this point, I think everyone should know that, you know, that's George's scheme. Like, he, you know, you have to assume that uh, play along if someone calls and asks for Vanderlei Industries. Yeah. And it, Jerry is told that he's in latex. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a very funny thing that ends up, uh, developing the relationship between Jerry as the hiring, the person in charge of hiring at Vandalay Industries and George, the potential person who wants a job there. Yeah. Cause let's face it. If, you know, George walks into a job interview, you're sending him out in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I want you, uh, as my latex salesman. Uh, yeah. I mean, George is basically unemployable. That's right. That's right. So uh, Keith Hernandez comes up and they're all going to uh, go down to uh, meet Keith Hernandez. And so uh, we see uh, Jerry and Keith after dinner. Keith asks Jerry if he's seen JFK. Uh, yeah. So one of the cool things about um, this episode being parallel with the movie JFK is I think it's basically out. I didn't check the exact timeline, but it's basically out at the exact same time. Yeah. So that's a good thing on uh, the production. And, uh, you know, there's lots of JFK uh, references. So that uh, the crowd was really into it. And Jerry doesn't know if he should shake his hand. Uh, and so we see a couple times in the episode, like sort of like repeating this same scene over and over again of like people in the car. Uh, yeah, it's a little right. You see a lot of inner monologue. 
um, which we've seen before. It's not always my favorite part, but here, you know, it works. Yeah. And, but I don't know, what's the big deal? Just like, do you, do you ever shake your friend's hand at the end of like a bro date? I don't think, I think it's weird. I don't know. I don't go on a lot of bro dates. Maybe you used to when you got a reputation as a guy who didn't shake. See, I more debate like, oh, okay, this is like ending now. Do I shake hand or do I give a hug? I, I sort of like, especially that I find like a lot of times when I, uh, I'm going somewhere like, and you know, it's a woman like, oh, do I, do I hug? Do I handshake here? Um, and then also like on the leaving, like, uh, like, uh, is this bro hug? Is this handshake? Uh, forget about if we are doing any sort of like, you know, complicated handshake that will really throw me off. So it's really, that's the great thing about being a podcaster. I sit here in Skype. I never have to worry about what is the correct physical starting and ending maneuver for any interaction. Just click the red button when you're done. Click the red button and boom. I don't have to like, uh, is this a hug? Is this a handshake? Ah, <laughs> it's very yeah, I, I'm complicated. Not, I'm not much of a hugger. I think I would be a handshake all the way. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not a have, good you hugger. You have to be related to me to, to get a hug, I feel like. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. I don't care about it. I just feel like I'm not good. Not a good. Well, also, were you, when you were a kid, did you ever have adults like comment on your handshake, you know, uh, abilities? No, why should they? No, I feel like when I was a kid, like adults would always say, like, oh, you know, you got to shake my hand harder. La, 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 la. Like, I can't imagine as an adult, like, I feel like I'd go to jail if I like started lecturing <laughs> on the handshake. I try, I try to like uh, nail the handshake. I feel like I do a good job with that. But the hug, I feel like I struggle with. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, I like the fist bump. I feel like that's hard to screw up. Yeah, but you don't really... What about with women? I feel like women aren't buying the fist bump. Women aren't buying the fist bump, no. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, you ever go to like give the hug and then they wanted the handshake? I never go to give the hug. I, never. <laughs> it's it has, very you, tough. You to, you, I'd say your last name has to be Wienerker to even for the hug to even be a, a consideration. Wow. You know, it's... Which, which, which means when my daughters get married, that's out. Forget it. <laughs> It's better if you go in for the handshake and they're like, oh, come on, give me a hug. You know, it's better if you open with handshake and they raise you hug. It's much more awkward when you go in with the hug and they, you know, uh, you know, check you back down to handshake. Yeah, you want to you want to start low and you could also fold and, and like block the, the hug and just go straight handshake. So in addition to the handshake, also, Keith Hernandez wants to know if Jerry would mind if he took Elaine out. Yeah, and this is very tricky because we're, you know, we're still wondering, like, is Jerry, you know, does he have feelings for Elaine? We know Elaine probably has feelings for Jerry. Uh, but it's, it's, first of all, I'm impressed that Keith has the foresight to even ask. Yeah, look at him. I mean, he's the 1979 MVP. Like, he doesn't need someone's permission to ask somebody out on a date. Yeah. So he's asking out Elaine and he wants, are you sure you don't mind? And we come back to, um, that we see Jerry and George up in the apartment talking about the date. They split the check. Is that a good move? Akiva first date with yeah. a guy. I think, um, Howard was asking Larry David, um, about who pays when he goes out with Jerry or other wealthy people. Uh, he was really like hammering him on that. And um, it is interesting because, you know, if you're both at a certain level where like it's not a big deal to pick up the check, yeah, then you should probably switch off. But if it's your first date, I think splitting it makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay. So they split. They didn't talk about game six. Uh, George asked about the handshake. Jerry says it was a perfect handshake. Yeah. So he nailed wait, it. Who is, who is your Keith Hernandez? Like if you were going to go on like a bro date with one athlete, <laughs> who would it be? And can it be Keith Hernandez? It, um, it could be, sure. No, I feel like, um, I think if I was to uh, see like David Wright, I feel like that would probably be a, a sim. Like, you know, he's a guy who's probably similar in age uh, to me, but it would definitely be a way different relationship. Like if like by some crazy thing, like uh, like David Wright was a big Survivor fan, something like that, yeah. like that would probably be the, uh, the equivalent of what this would be. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Maybe Todd Pratt. Todd Pratt. <laughs> I have a lot of, you know, like, thanks. You know, I want to I want to thank him for 1999. OK. And <laughs> so we get to where uh, Keith is going to call Elaine. And so George said, boy, this guy really gets around. Yeah, I wrote I wrote in my uh, in my notes that uh, they're they're like uh, they're like bro slut shaming Keith Hernandez. here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Elaine shows up and she says how Keith Hernandez called and, you know, he wants to go out on Saturday night. And so Elaine can't do it. So they're going to go out Friday night. And this was when Jerry made plans for Keith Hernandez and he's very upset. And George gives a really funny look here. Yeah. The audience also gasps when when they mention Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's going out with you on Friday. He's supposed to see me on Friday. It would be like the soap opera audience when, you know, if somebody's like, I'm not your mother, I'm your sister or something like that. Yeah. Elaine says, why? Is that a, a problem? Frankly, it is. <laughs> she's upset. And then uh, she's like, oh, Jerry, I've never seen you jealous before. And then uh, eventually she says, wait, are you jealous of him? Or are you jealous of me? <laughs> He's jealous of both. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, any Hennigans around here? Which is uh, a really funny callback to, of course, the uh, no smell, no tell scotch. That's right. You know, watching these in order makes a lot of sense. You really get all the jokes. Yeah. So we get uh, the phone ringing. Uh, Vandalay Industries, Kel Varnson here. Uh, that's how Jerry answers the phone. Uh, who's Kel Varnson? Uh, it's the first time we hear of Kel Varnson, but we will see him again. <laughs> Yeah. So Jerry tells Keith Hernandez it's no problem. So then uh, Kramer tells Jerry that now he's free to go see the baby. Uh, Jerry leaves the apartment for some reason here. Um, And George apparently is in the bathroom and Kramer sits like right, like almost on top of Elaine on the couch. It's very awkward. He's just like looking at her and like, you know, nodding. The phone rings and it's right in front of Kramer and he answers it. And he's like, hello. And, you, you know, you hear him saying, no, that's not industries. Or you have the wrong number. And you just hear George screaming from the bathroom, Akiva. Yeah, this is I mean, this is really uh, this is, you know, one of the great Georges of all time. This is fantastic. A, a real a brilliant scene. And Kramer basically says, no, that's you have the wrong number. That's this is in Vandalay Industries. And George is just screaming, Vandalay Industries, Vandalay Industries, say Vandalay Industries. And he comes running out of the bathroom uh, with his pants around his ankles. Uh, yeah, you know, Jason Alexander is really up for anything at this and point. And the newspaper also. That's right. Yeah. And, so, well, and you know this he's not at the point yet where he's taking off his pants to go to the bathroom but we know he gets there yeah and so uh he just lays there defeated on the floor and then uh jerry comes back in and we find out that this line was actually ad lib that jerry says uh and you want to be my latex salesman and the crowd just went nuts 
Yeah, the crowd. This is like uh, like an Arsenio Hall crowd today. Yeah, they were <laughs> pumped up for the two part episode. Woo woo woo! All right. Next, we see George back at the Department of Labor. Any other thoughts on the uh, Art Vandalay scene? I mean, first of all, this is great. I want to say that you want to be my leg tech salesman is also like a top 25 line all time. Boy, uh, I think you're a, a little high on the lines from this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I'll compile when we're almost done, like my top 20 lines. But uh, yeah, I don't. But the, and, and this is really, you know, uh, you know, the this first half of the episode is just, you know, there's not a wasted moment. Yeah. Every no, every great. second is great. It's great. I think this is probably the most uh complete you know no wasted motion here. And it's an hour long episode too. Yeah, it's hard to judge the hour ones versus the half hour ones, but you could say the degree of difficulty here is a lot higher. It's higher because there's more room to fill and you could have more things that don't work uh as you go through this. So, we see George back at the Department of Labor and the woman wants him to sign the form and he picks up the photo off the desk. And he says, is this your daughter? Uh, she's breathtaking. Uh, and, and the woman is saying, oh, well, are, are you interested? He's like, please, please don't torture me. Let me just sign this and get out of here. Yeah, uh, George plays this very sort of passive aggressively. It's interesting uh, how he acts this. But, um, but you know, she, I, I, I feel like she's not buying it, but she just wants a date for her daughter so badly. She doesn't care. Yeah. Is he so desperate that, that he's going to go for this Hail Mary, that he's going to date this woman? Listen, he's being paid to date a woman. It's not like he's got suitors lined up out the door. Like, okay. this is a no-brainer for George. Yeah, I guess for him, it's worth the whatever, how many dollars a week? I mean, we know he's not spending a lot of money on the date because we're about to find out he took her to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, he, you know, he says that she's breathtaking. Uh, he He's, you know, really like falling head over heels for her. And so, you know, it's, he says to her, you know, it's one thing not to give me an extension. It's another thing to mess with me like this. And so he gets her phone number. Yeah. Do you recognize um, the, the unemployment la office lady no. from The Sopranos? No. Who is she? She is, um, she's Tony's aunt. Okay. She's Steve, Steve Buscemi's mom. Oh, okay. We'll have to look she's, for that uh, next time. She's, I... She gets arrested with... Um, Livia with the stolen plane tickets. Okay, good, good. I will look for that next time I watch The Sopranos. All right, so we see more stand-up. Uh, Jerry talking about his friend, who uh, I guess we're led to believe that this is George he's talking about, uh, that he works so hard to be unemployed that they would give him a raise. Yeah, they are like shoehorning the George thing in um, a bit here, like the actual episode into stand-up. Yeah. So we see a shot of Keith Hernandez on the date with Elaine. Keith Hernandez is really holding court at these bars. Yeah, I have a feeling this is probably not much, uh, not unlike uh, real life. I feel like Keith Hernandez probably could hold court anywhere. So every night, like Keith Hernandez is out there like a stand-up comedian. Like people just gather around him at a bar and he's like, all right, let me tell you about game six. Uh, we were down his 10th inning. You know, he just gets into that. I'm going to say he never pays for drinks, Keith Hernandez. Okay. And so we go to Jerry and Kramer with the baby. And, you know, Jerry's very stiff with the baby. Um, he's like, uh, you know, you have a very nice baby. <laughs> uh, they say, who do you think the baby looks like? Uh, and Kramer says, Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> and he's emphatic. It does. He's not joking. Yeah. No, he really does look like Lyndon Johnson. And so they want Jerry to pick up the baby. Yeah, and Jerry wisely says no, because nobody wants to pick up anybody else's baby. But Kramer is going to. 
Uh, yeah, Kramer is all too happy uh, to pick up the baby. I, I feel like this could be the first baby he's ever lifted. <laughs> all right, so now we cut back to George in the car with the woman. What is her name, This uh, the woman well, dates? Well, But just about that last scene, it's a little weird, right? Like, because you hear a scream, and I guess the scream is the guy on the stairs is Michael, the father on the stairs yelling, like, don't let Kramer pick up the baby, <laughs> but it's edited a little weirdly. Like, it is, is a little weird already there. No, I don't know exactly what happens. Uh, I'm going to have to deduct a couple points for, for that, for that scene. Yeah. Well, I, when we come back to that, I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail. Uh, so okay. we go back to uh, George with the girl. What do you know her name? Yeah, her name is Carrie. Carrie. And so George is uh, talking to her and she's like, wow, she hasn't had a Big Mac in a long time. But she seemed impressed with the Big Mac. Yeah, they, they play this whole, the whole relationship in a weird tone where you don't know, like, who has the hand and, like, who is, you know, like, George is, like, he's being weird. You know, he should be just, you know, going for the kill here and just keeping the relationship going for the, you know, however many six, 12 weeks that he keeps the unemployment. Yeah. Um, but he's looks like he's going out of his way to, you know, sort of like sabotage himself. Well, it seems like he's clearly the one with more hand here because he's the one that wants to be in the relationship less. She's inviting right, him he, up on the first date. That's true. But, you know, why is he lying about the hardware store? Why doesn't he, you know, continue the Vandalay thing or something like why well, make yourself seem like a loser? He got himself painted into a corner because it was Friday night and he said, I have to get up early. And she said, why? The offices aren't open on Saturday. And he said, uh, it's a hardware store. So he just had to try to think of something that was open on a Saturday. Yeah, but I'm sure some, you know, he could, he could lie about some fancy finance place. Like, Akiva, oh, they're who too are busy you <laughs> to criticize George Costanza's lies? That's true. He That's has true. a beautiful We're, we're arguing mind. with the master here. Yes. That's true. How dare you? So he doesn't <laughs> go upstairs. Should he have just gone upstairs and done whatever he had to do to keep the unemployment going? I mean, if he goes upstairs and it goes poorly, which just happened, you know, what was it last week? You know, that's it right then. I guess so. Boy, how will it go poorly? Well, you know, he could bring her to the kitchen again. I guess so. I guess so. And you would think that after last week's experience in the fix up, he wouldn't want to be working in latex. Oh, that's true. <laughs> After his bad experience with the defective condoms. Good callback, Rob. Yeah. Although I think originally the production order that, at least on my DVDs, the production order has the boyfriend ahead of the fix-up. That's fair. But they were both, you know, by the time they're filmed, they're both written maybe at the same, you know. Okay. Same time. All right. So uh, he's going to uh, go in for the kiss also, Carrie. And then we don't quite see Georgia kiss Carrie back. Yeah, it's also a weirdly edited scene. She's like five feet from his face. Yeah. <laughs> also, we also have to see uh, that Carrie wants George to call him when, she, when he gets home. It's a little weird, too. But I guess, listen, she hasn't been on a date. It could be years that she hasn't been on a date. Yeah. So she doesn't want it to end. I, she's just lonely. Yeah. Now, did you get the sense Carrie has her own place? I feel like she's like the kind of person that would be living with her mom. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of it then. I'm going to say... <sighs> I'm going to say not the mom just because it would be broached, but maybe a roommate. Yeah. Okay. So we now we come back to uh, it's Michael and Claire's house. And apparently Kramer has dropped the baby. Uh, yeah. So this is also this is a little clumsy. Like when he dropped the baby, like he dropped he the baby because he's clumsy. You know, well, that's true. Also, yeah. But, you know, how high could he have dropped her? Because you know, if you dropped her like on her head or something. 
you know, either they'd be, you know, calling the doctor or running the hospital, or at least you'd leave the house. Like you'd get out of there. Yeah. I feel like for me, I think this is probably the weakest moment uh, of the show. I'm just not sure why we needed this beat in the story that Kramer dropped a, uh, a little baby on its head. Like, I feel like that that's not a hilarious thing to talk about. Yeah, I'm going to. And that's why they don't show it. Obvious. I mean, one of the many reasons they don't show it. I mean, it's hard. Babies aren't good actors also. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I know there's a big scandal. It's hard to get a good baby stuntman also. You know about the American sniper baby scandal? No, I don't. What is that? Is that so an American unsolved Sniper's, mystery? No, it's it's a solved mystery that the American Sniper, which is like the number one movie right now, um, it, there's a baby in the in a couple of the scenes, and it's clearly a plastic baby. Yeah, and this is a movie that's made like hundreds of millions of dollars, but the baby is absurd. Okay, so we'll, that's a scandal. I I thought it would be more of a scandal if it wasn't a plastic baby. No, no. I think people are just mad that like they, Clint Eastwood didn't try harder to get a real baby yeah. in this like expensive movie. Okay. Um, speaking of Clint Eastwood and babies, uh, we go to Jerry's stand-up and he talks about how, you know, everybody's always saying you got to see the baby, uh, but nobody ever says you got to see my grandfather. Uh, that's true. People should say you want to see my, I, I feel like my wife always says it about her grandma. Yeah. You know, she always uh, like, Hey, you, you should come meet my grandma. She's hilarious. And you have to match their level of enthusiasm also about the baby. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, are you, enth- are you ever enthusiastic about seeing somebody's baby? I feel like I am, I was not, but I feel like as somebody with a baby, I feel like I would be more interested now. What, in seeing other people's babies yeah, and, like, comparing so. them? I feel like, oh, like, oh, like, I get this. Like, I feel like before I had a baby, I, like, I didn't want to hold anybody else's uh, baby. But, uh, like, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable with it now that I've actually had one. Yeah, I don't mind the holding the baby. I, I don't even want to see it in the first place. <laughs> mostly. Like, but I, I, your guy friends aren't, like, coming over to you and you're like, hey, you know, you, you, know, you got to come over and see yeah. my kid. He's adorable. I don't have a, a friend like Michael or Claire. I thought you could have stopped that. I don't have a friend. Yeah, I don't have a friend either. So that's good. All right. So now we go to Elaine and Keith Hernandez in the car. And Keith Hernandez is having almost an existential crisis of, should I kiss Elaine? Uh, yeah. And, you know, Keith, I mean, I'm, he should be smoother. He was, the 90, he was the 79 MVP. Yeah. And they have a conversation that, uh, what, what does he say that he's a quarter? Uh, quarter Cherokee? Cherokee. And Elaine says, well, my father is half drunk. So that was a good line. <laughs> yeah. And we've met and another callback because we've met him. Yeah. We hear Keith's internal monologue. He's like, go ahead and kiss her. I'm a baseball player. Damn it. 79 MVP. Do you think Keith Hernandez has used that line like on his wife? Well, like, I don't want to do the dishes. I'm the 79 MVP. Boy, uh, I hope Keith Hernandez doesn't have to do the dishes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, something doesn't fit in the dishwasher. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, he won the MVP in 79. I can do whatever I want to do. And Elaine is even like, oh, come on. I thought this guy uh, knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, Elaine is used to, you know, Elaine is not shy. She's used to, you know, people making the first move right away. Yeah, guys taking it out even. That's right. So then he moves in for the kill and he's uh, kissing her. Uh, you know, and what does he say as he's kissing her? Uh, doesn't he say, I'm Keith Hernandez? Yeah, that, that's right. Elaine is like, who does this guy think he is? And and his answer in his head is, I'm Keith Hernandez. Wait, let me correct one thing. I said quarter uh, Cherokee. It's quarter Cajun. Cajun. Yeah. Okay. Big difference. Big difference. 
Elaine is giving Jerry details of the date with Keith Hernandez and hopefully leaving out some of the uh, details. And so she talks about how like, oh yeah, and Mookie was there and and Jerry is just getting uh, upset. He's like, this could have been him. Yeah, she did not yada yada Mookie. Yes, yes. Um, By the way, my uh, parents' dog is named Mookie. After Mookie Wilson? Yes, yes. And your dog is named Reyes. Uh, is named Reyes, and Jerry Seinfeld's dog is named Jose. Yeah, the, we're after all, Jose Reyes, we're all on the same page. We're on the same wavelength. So uh, Jerry's asking about the the details and uh, talking about the kiss. Wants to know: Is it a peck, uh, a kiss, or a long makeout thing? Yeah, what's the, what's the positive expectation here for like Jerry finding this stuff out? <laughs> I don't know. She's Why asking, does he want to know? He's torturing himself here. Yeah, she's talking about uh, the jealousy again. And Jerry's like, I'm jealous of everybody. Yeah, it's fun. Jerry's really, you know, his acting is usually like not his strength, but here he's great. He's good. He's locked in. He's on a hot streak. All right. Uh, yeah, this, this whole, you know, he's, he's really, uh, he's, he's batting like 10 for 10 in this episode. All right. So the phone rings. It was Keith. He wants Jerry to help him move, Akiva. Move furniture. Yeah, I mean, this speaks as a biblical truth to my, me and probably most people. Yeah. Well, Akiva, and, I have some yeah. news for you. Oh, boy. I'm moving. Yeah. Yes, I could use some help. Uh, listen, I'm there. Really? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there. I mean, we've done 34 podcasts. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to go all the way? And, this, and is our, this, is our 34th, this is our 34th date. It's funny that he's, he, they later say that um, the airport drive is a bigger deal than moving because moving is a bigger deal than the airport drive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I would be your permanent airport chauffeur to get out of moving once. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because Jerry is funny the couple times that he says in the episode, what are you going to take him to the airport next? Like, I'm not taking him to the airport. Like he gets like really defensive about it. No, but in all seriousness, I just, uh, it is official. I am going to be moving soon. And here's the problem. I don't have any friends. But do you have, like, would you ask people to help you move or are you no, just straight no, up? No, 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 I would, no. I would never ask. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that. I, um, one time I had a friend and I helped him move. Um, and when I first moved, I helped, uh, had some other people help me move. Um, that being said, um, I, my preference is to hire people to help me move because uh, I, I give them money and then they don't ask me to help when they move. So I'm sort of like very reticent to ask people to help me move because then they're going right. to ask and me to help them Once move. you have a kid, the amount of stuff in your house quadruples also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I have like one room of stuff and then uh, everything else is all this other stuff that I don't even want. It doesn't seem realistic that Keith Hernandez would move himself though. I thought the most unrealistic thing was that Keith Hernandez is going to start the move at three. Oh, that's true also. Maybe it's the summer. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, he says it's going to start at three. He thinks it's only going to take four hours. I'm like, buddy, uh, what do you, I guess Keith Hernandez probably sleeps in. Yeah. I mean, he's Keith Hernandez, you know, he's, he's, he's out holding court at the bar. Yeah. Uh, you know, three might be when his day starts. I don't know. I think the move still would have been to hire some people and maybe, you know, take the stuff that's really delicate yourself, but you know, bring hire some good guys. That's right. You, you, um, you hire, I, when I moved into, uh, my first apartment, we had something that the movers wouldn't move because it was too heavy or something crazy. Yeah. And we were by a college, so we just had like 10 guys, you know, like lifted up. It was just like one thing that had to... What'd you have that was so over. heavy? It was like a giant... It was like the... the I don't know what it's called. But Sarcophagus? It's like the, 
<laughs> no, it just goes along like your entire wall in your house and it has like shelves and stuff. I don't know. Like a bookcase? It's it's sort of like book, but like a little fancier, like uh, you'd put like um, like China in it or okay. I don't know, menorahs if you're a Jew. I don't know. Like <laughs> How many menorahs do you have? I don't know. Not, not just, but you know, you have like, you could have like your China in there, like your dishes. I have no idea. Okay. I feel like anyway, you, it took it took ten college guys just to lift it off the street, but like, the movers wouldn't move it. But you just need you just one menorah, pizza. right? Yeah, you just need one menorah. I mean, I guess the kids get their own menorah, but the you yeah you have only one. Okay, but there's like a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that comes with uh, the territory. But also, so these kids, we just gave the kids pizza, and like they're not going to expect me to help them move when they move. I'm sure. Yeah. And give them that pizza after they move the stuff. Cause you don't want them. Oh, if you do pizza with... first one, everyone's using your bathroom and everyone's lying around. Yeah. <laughs> you do the pizza post move. That's right. It goes through them that quickly. The pizza. I don't know. I'm just like, whatever. They're just hanging out. Nobody's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Kramer really starts shaming Jerry about helping Keith Hernandez move. So uh, don't you have any self-respect? Yeah. It's funny because I feel like Kramer would be a guy who'd help you move. <laughs> Just not maybe on the first date. Eventually, uh, Jerry says to Kramer, uh, do me a favor. Don't mention this to anybody. And Kramer says, uh, I wish you didn't even tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kramer's great here. This is this is male friend slut shaming. Okay. George is back in the car with Carrie after another date. She's breaking up with him. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this just came out of nowhere. I mean, it makes sense. It's never a shock when someone breaks up with George. I... I'm breaking up with <laughs> you. And they really continue the uh, the Biff Loman thing here because Jerry Jerry said uh, Jerry called him Biff in the first scene in the gym. Yeah. And now she's saying you got no job. You work, you know, you want to work in a department store. Yeah. You're Biff Loman. She says, uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Get me a deal on a box of nails. <laughs> this is a good joke. Yeah, the hardware store stuff is funny. Like George's like, uh, boy, haven't you ever wondered what it'd be like to make a key? <laughs> <laughs> I do think making a key is cool, but I, I think I would want to do it once, maybe. <laughs> yeah, one time. I think I could watch a make a key video on YouTube. All right, because a lot of times it says on the key, don't make a copy of this key. And I wonder, is that just a suggestion or is that like, could they get fired if they make a key? Yeah, I have a lot of questions about the keys. Like how do car keys work with the copies and... <laughs> You know, sometimes you have these keys in the city where it's like $500 if you lose the key in a building. I don't know. Yeah. Some, some of these keys seem more complicated than the other ones. All right. So we go back to Keith and Elaine. And Keith is bringing up the 11 straight gold gloves. And uh, he's talking about, you know, uh, first base. And Elaine says, you don't know the first thing about getting to first base. But according to my watch, Akiva, uh, yes. I'm pretty sure Keith Hernandez has already been there. And which I think he appropriately tells Elaine that. Uh, I think I've already been there. And now I'm going to be rounding uh, second. Yeah, it's possible Elaine doesn't know the bases, though. Yeah. Well, she tells him to watch the third base coach because he's telling you to hold up. But he's I'm not like, going to wave her in. Yeah. Because I thought maybe, oh, no, things aren't going well, but this is just flirty, Elaine. It, things are going well up until Keith Hernandez reaches for his cigarettes. Yeah. The, the mentioning that he won 11 straight gold gloves wasn't the turnoff, but the smoking is. Yes. Yes. And as we saw in the beginning of the episode, and I uh, failed to mention that Elaine just like takes the ashtray off the table and says uh, she hates cigarettes. Very yeah, this is in This is in character. Like Elaine would hate smoking. Yeah. Well, she did with the psychic. Um, she was very anti-smoking, uh, but that was for a nine month pregnant woman. But even with right. Keith Hernandez, she's very anti-smoking. That's right. Yeah. 
And Keith Hernandez asks if, uh, you know, is that uh, a big deal? Yeah, I mean, it has to be, you know, uh, it has, he has to know that that's going to be a deal breaker for some people. For some people. But I guess I, here's the thing that I find odd is that how does Elaine not know Keith Hernandez is a smoker at this point? I feel like uh, when somebody is a smoker or at least a smoker to the point where they're going to, it's going to be a deal breaker in the relationship that I think you would smell it on them, especially after she's been to uh make out point with Keith Hernandez, as she, we saw in the episode. Yeah. Maybe he's so smooth that he knows not to bust out the cigarettes till like date number Second three or date. four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have uh, George and Jerry in the, in the diner and they're talking about how, you know, he's a, he's a ball player. Elaine really likes him. And he says, I'm a guy. I like him. And Jerry is surprised because he says he never thought that Elaine would find somebody she liked more than him. Uh, yeah. You know, which is a very like interesting telling sort of throwaway remark that, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, worth remembering. Yes. Um, do you think that Elaine does find any guys that she liked more than Jerry? I mean, she stays with Putty for a long time, but I do think, I, I think Jerry, Jerry is her true love at the end. Okay. George talks about what's the tallest woman, uh, you ever had sex with. Uh, yeah. And Jerry gives a really high number. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that, uh, because how tall is Jerry? Well, let's say he's six feet tall. Six feet tall, six foot three. And that's very tall. Very tall. I think um, I was at the US Open once, the tennis US Open. Yes. And um, Maria Sharapova walked by with some security guys going to a practice court. And she's listed as six, six two, but she is taller than six two. Wow. She is at least six three. She's lying about her height? Yeah, so usually players like lie up, but I think uh, like a woman who's that tall, uh, who's trying to, you know, um, like get modeling type gigs and things like that, like it would make sense maybe to lie down because, you know. And George uh, would like to get her to lie down. I, that's, well, he's not, she's not tall enough. She's not a giant. I think he wants like six, five and above. Six, five and above. Yeah. And at that point, she's so tall. And again, I'm short. So, you know, maybe a taller guy wouldn't say that, but it's, it's so tall. It's almost like, uh, you know. It's crazy. Uh, Jerry says that, you know, George has different goals than a Thomas Edison or a Magellan. Um, and George doesn't care for Magellan. He likes DeSoto. Yeah. <laughs> he found the Mississippi. Uh, that's right. But uh, as, as he points out, you know, anyone could have found the Mississippi. All right. And also Jerry tells George he has to help Keith Hernandez move at three. Uh, and George says, oh, oh, well, you're helping him move? What are you going to do? Help him drive him to the airport next? I'm not driving him to the airport. <laughs> Very yeah, good. I do like that that's the, that's the last step, you know. <laughs> All right. So um, we see then that uh, George is back in the office with the lady from the unemployment. And uh, he's talking about the daughter, about Carrie. Like, I don't know who she thinks she's going to find out there. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, she has the baseball on her desk with the 86 Mets. Yeah, she just leaves it lying there for some random unemployed guy who's going to steal it in five minutes. Does George here uh, really screw himself up uh, by saying that he can get Keith Hernandez here within the hour? One, I don't know how he's getting Keith Hernandez there under any circumstances. Two, I don't know why he has to uh, be Jack Bauer and uh, give himself only 60 minutes to pull off this stunt. Dude, dude, dude. Yeah, it's true. Right. What, what should he have promised, though? Should he have said, 
you know, within the week? Should he have said yeah. Keith Hernandez will call you on the phone? Or how about I can get you a signed picture of Keith Hernandez? Why not she start small? She already has, you She's know, his autograph right in front of her. She's it's baseball. just the baseball. Yeah. Does it say to unemployment lady? <laughs> but yeah, but also, you know, maybe Keith Hernandez doesn't carry a picture around with him. Like, where is he just getting a picture? Okay. I mean, it would be easier to get a picture, I think, and get it to Keith Hernandez than to get Keith Hernandez to come to the unemployment office with the chucker. Yeah, he did. That's true. He did, you know, um, maybe bite off more than he could chew. But if Jerry was really helping him move, I feel like uh, Keith would have been up for it. But at that point, you know, if, if they're still going to, you know, be uh, not moving to starting move till four o'clock, like I'm not even sure if this move is happening today. Akiva, if I'm in the process of, on the day I'm moving, uh, yeah. this is like the opposite of uh, the Godfather thing where it's like on the day of your daughter's wedding, anybody can right. ask you for a favor. Uh, right. On the day I'm moving, like nobody can ask me to do anything else for them. I'm moving. Yeah, I'm not going to the unemployment office for Wait, a so stranger. Let's say, let's say you're like a casual friend that you've met twice. Yeah. Uh, he has a friend. Right. And that friend comes over to your house and is like, Rob, I know you're moving. Yes. But uh, there's someone who's a huge fan of Survivor. And I will gain hundreds of dollars, possibly thousands of dollars, if you go, you know, kibitz with her for like 20 minutes. Okay. Well, this is there. Am I being included on this deal? Is this an offer? Well, you're the Keith Hernandez in this scene. Okay. Well, again, are we coming to me? Like, if we're if this is a deal, uh, you know, you're telling me like, and, no, there's and, no deal. There's nothing in it for you. Oh, then I'm I'm very sorry, but I'm moving today. I'm. But what about your friendship? You know, maybe maybe your you know your new friend David Akiva, Wright. I, I can't wrap my head around this situation as not having a friend. Okay, so if David Wright needed me to go somewhere on the day I'm moving, I would do it. But short of that, I think no favors on the day I'm moving. Um, yeah, all right. That's, uh, my, my friend is on the, um, the, uh, the, the masthead, whatever, like of the David Wright foundation. Oh, he's, uh, he's just a go-getter. So he just, he's like the treasurer of his charity or something. Yes. I have no idea how he did it. He just, he just, so anyway, like, um, you know, so if he, when he applies like graduate school, David Wright, Wright writes him the letter, which means probably he writes the letter and David Wright signs it, but whatever. Okay. Um, and, um, anyway, point being, you know, I could procure David Wright for you within the hour, Rob. Oh, within the hour. Wow. Within the hour. <laughs> wow. All right. You want, you want David Wright in your fantasy football league next year? I'll get you David Wright. Wow. Not, not really, though. Yeah. He's a big <laughs> fantasy football guy, David Wright. He is. He's already in like eight leagues. That's really why I don't think I would ask him even if like I knew him. You know, it's too many leagues. <laughs> okay. He wouldn't check his lineup. You don't want David Wright right. in your league not checking your lineup. And hopefully he's got more things to concentrate on this August. That's true. Yeah. We don't want him doing any fantasy football until <laughs> November. Yeah. <laughs> maybe could he do like a fantasy uh i don't know fantasy hockey fantasy oscar pool how about that yeah no he, he needs to keep his eye on the prize until about october 30th so now the race is on for george to go get keith Hernandez. now everything that they set up before pays off so well george goes back to the phone booth goes to rip the person out of it but it's like this huge like hulking guy it's like warren Sapp in the phone booth yeah, this pays off really well. He's not, he's not getting this guy out of the booth. And then he gets in a cab now and says, uh, uh, and he realizes it's the same cab driver that kicked him out before. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, small coincidences in this episode. Okay. Keith Hernandez is telling Jerry about the, all the furniture they have to move. It should take about four hours to move. He's got a 12-piece sectional. It's a brownstone, three flights of stairs. Um, and Jerry is basically like, I'm out. So did Keith rent a U-Haul? I don't know what he did. 
I mean, he's not putting this in like a minivan. Yeah. He should have called Ron Darling. That's true. You know, he could have got the whole team back together. Yeah. Because I'm uh, sure Mookie had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, uh, could have got, and uh, Gary Cohen. They could have just all moved together. Uh, I bet Roger McDowell was available. <laughs> he probably was. All right. So then, uh, you know, Jerry says he's out and here comes Kramer and Newman and they come in and Kramer is like, oh, Keith Hernandez, uh, you don't remember me. Well, I certainly remember you. And he gets into the whole story about what happened. And Keith Hernandez does remember this incident that uh, he does remember that what they said to him of nice game, pretty boy. And he remembers it differently because he saw that there was a second spitter and we see the reenactment again. And this time we see Roger McDowell with full like mullet, Jerry curl and everything uh, that he is back behind the bushes to spit on Kramer and Newman. And this makes sense because they were in cursing at him in the bullpen the whole game. Yeah, that was a great line when when uh, Newman says he must have caught a glimpse of us when I poured that beer on his head. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the inside look, they said that this was actually supposed to be Daryl Strawberry in the script. Yeah, but uh, they thought that maybe spitting would be bad for his image because he was in the news for worse things at this point. Yeah, so that was probably a smart way to go. Uh, I think Jerry also said um, when Jerry did a telecast, the Met game with Keith, and they were talking about this episode, and Jerry said that if Keith said no, he was going to ask Gary Carter. Oh, okay. That would be good, too. I think that would be a good yeah, way to go. Yeah, but, you know, he's not really a Met, Gary Carter, so I'm he's happy they went Not really a Met. He, you know, he's an expo. Okay, but, I mean, why is Gary Carter not really a Met, and uh, Keith Hernandez is when Keith Hernandez was on the Cardinals? Right, but, it, but if Gary, Gary Carter went to the Hall of Fame as an expo, if Keith, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but if he went in... It would be as a Met, I think. Yeah, but Gary Carter didn't get to pick that. I think he wanted to go in as a Met. Oh, is that true? Yeah, I think that they pick it for him. Because I, I think at the time, he was like, he wanted to go in as a Met. He's like, how am I going to make money? The Expos don't even exist anymore. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anything, uh, Keith Hernandez is the one that's sort of like, when he does like St. Louis stuff, I think he sort of like, you know, rides the line of like, uh, like hey, Cardinals, I was, I was a Cardinal too. Yeah, I, I think the good news for the listeners is this will probably be the most Met-centric episode. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> It'll only so. get less from here. I would think so. Uh, you know, Piazza's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, oh, that's a whole separate podcast, but, you know, he better go in as a Met. Okay. All right. And again, that's not up to him to decide. That's uh, Someone actually you know, said he should go in with the backwards hat, like the catchers wear their hat backwards, their helmet backwards. Yeah. Okay. Just going like that, and it's like, leave it up to you. Maybe it's a Marlins hat. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, Kramer ends up being recruited to help uh, Keith Hernandez move. And uh, <laughs> this is a good line that, you know, uh, he talks about this delicate stuff, and you got to be, you know, really, really careful with it. It's like holding a baby. Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, very funny. That is the best payoff to, like, the little baby thing. Do you think, now that, I, now that we're, you know, talking about the whole episode, I think the baby scenes may have been thrown in to stretch out the episode. Yeah, that's entirely possible as well. Because there's also, I think there's five stand-ups during the episode, five separate sets. Yeah. So, you know, between that, so they are trying to stretch from, you know, from 30 to an hour here. All right. So uh, we find out from uh, Elaine on the phone that they broke up. Uh, right. And so uh, no cigarettes for Elaine. Listen, it's a deal breaker. You know, maybe Gary Carter didn't smoke. Yeah. Jerry says to Elaine, uh, you're like going out with C. Everett Coop. Do we know who this person is? 
Uh, no, I usually, uh, you know, Google these references, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like, I, I don't know. Okay. C. A, Everett. a quick search of C. Everett Coop. He is the former Surgeon General of the United States. Uh, Charles Everett Koop was an American pediatric surgeon and a public health administrator, uh, administrator. He was Vice Admiral in the Public Health Service Commission Corps and served as 13th uh, Surgeon General of the United States. Okay. And just passed away only two years ago. Oh, so it's not a fun fact. No, not okay. a fun fact. Uh, we know it was not from lung cancer. Oof. Yes. He, he was against uh, smoking. Anti. You know, some some of these references really die on the vine. <laughs> All right. So then uh, we see that, uh, you know, Jerry and Elaine are going to go uh, get coffee. And uh, but not before George comes running in. He wants Keith Hernandez. And he's like, Keith, Keith, it's me up here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm the chucker. No, <laughs> don't try. Don't drive away. There's about 20 episodes that end with someone yelling out that window. Yeah. That's good. It's a good thing. And so then a woman comes in and the woman comes in uh, and says that George uh, forgot his wallet and she is extremely tall. Yeah. How tall do you think she is? Uh, I'd say over six, five, right? Yeah. I think she qualifies as a giant. Do we see her feet? Is she, could she possibly be like on an Apple box? No, I mean, it's LA. You could cast like just the tallest, largest woman you could find. You could okay. find the woman who's 6'5". All right, there you go. And so, yeah, George uh, does get his wish. And then in the closing stand-up, we see uh, about the boxes. Where are all the boxes? Uh, have you seen the boxes? Uh, luckily, I saved all my boxes from the last time I moved. Yeah, that is a thing, by the way, the boxes. You do want to save your boxes. Yeah, you got to save the boxes. I, I, I bought uh, good boxes last time that you don't need tape. That they just sort of like fold into the uh, the right thing. Yeah. And also with the George scene, there's a deleted scene. And again, as we always say, they're deleted for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah. But the the giant woman enters. I think, I don't know if it's a different woman or if she's just wearing different clothing. Um, I didn't really, uh, I only watched the deleted scene once. But uh, this, in the deleted scene, she enters, returns George's wallet. Um, and, and basically he ignores her and she leaves. Oh. Uh, and he says, oh, she's not my type. Really? Yeah. So this right. ending makes more sense. This makes more sense. All right. So what do you think happened with George and the tall woman? Uh, he probably blew it with her after one date. Yeah. Are you surprised she didn't open the wallet and see there was nothing in it? Eight dollars. Well, first of all, yeah. his wallet is usually supposed to be full, you know, with thousands of things in it. He we'll didn't find put out stuff something. in it yet, maybe. No. He, well, he doesn't have any money to put in. Yeah. Okay. So. Akiva, if this yeah. episode took place in 2015, what would be different? Other than Keith Hernandez would be much older. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, who would be Roger McDowell? <laughs> well, you would think that everybody would still be the same people. They would just be older. That's true. I would, I would like to see Armando Benitez doing some spinning. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that would be my bro date if I got to meet Armando Ooh, Benitez. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um... What would be different? Um, I mean, is there something in particular that really doesn't hold up? I mean, I think that maybe uh, Keith Hernandez's smoking would probably be looked at with a bit more disdain and not just Elaine being fickle. I think Right, that and he would have been arrested for smoking at a bar in New York <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think outside of that, I think that maybe we would have got more into like the texting uh, stuff. 
of, you know, texting a guy. But overall, I think it pretty ho- uh, holds up pretty well. Yeah, listen, uh, you, you don't mess with perfection. Okay. Akiva, where does this rank for you on the episode rankings? Dead last. No, I'm just... Um, all right, let's open up the episode rankings bag here. Okay, what do you got? Um, well, first of all, um, is this your favorite episode so far? Yeah, I think so. I mean, what was the previous favorite that I, that I had recently? Yeah, um, or you go back and forth. You really liked last week. You liked the fix-up. Yeah, I thought that was very, that was very good. But I feel like th- this is, uh, I think, uh, the top one that we've seen so far. Uh, and I'm going to agree. Okay. Uh, do you want to guess or should I just tell you? Um, what was the second highest that we had so far? You, the library, right? The library is the, was the highest entering well, today. What did you have? You had that like at like 14, right? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people would disagree, but there's a lot of sentimental value to the library. All right. So what is it, Akiva? Uh, I have The Boyfriend as uh, my new current number one. It's number one overall? No, it's number no. one currently. Number it should one be number of, 17 of for Keith Hernandez. Oh, that's not, I, you know, I, I, listen, it would be cute, but I think the, the purity of the list, you know, goes above all, uh, all other things. All right, what do you got? Because I would like to move the library down also. Like, part of me regrets it, but it's never moving. Um, so The Boyfriend is number 11. 11. Yes. Picks 11. Uh, that's right, where this episode is aired hundreds of times. <laughs> yes, very good, number 11. All right, uh, let's get into taking some of your emails here. I know this is a uh, a very long episode here of, to cover this hour-long episode of Seinfeld. All right, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. The emails come in. They go to both Akiva and myself, and then we read them on the show. Let me start off with Liz Gardner, who uh, this past week, she said... Uh, I disagree with the comment about women being down on bald guys. There are a ton of sexy bald men out there. They're not all celebrities like the ones listed below. Corey Stahl, The Rock, Bruce Willis, Ed Harris, Jason Statham, LL Cool J, Terry O'Quinn, Stanley Tucci, and Michael Chiklis. I bet if we did an online search, I'd come up with even more names to add to the list. So thanks for the Seinfeld podcast. So uh, do we have to take back uh, last week about the idea that women are not interested in bald men? Well, listen, Larry David's whole life was like based around the fact that he's bald. And now, you know, he's famous and he could pick up women on every street corner. I, I like the Michael Chiklis throw in because as, we, as you know, he's our least favorite character on the show so far. <laughs> Yes, and Captain Picard also. Who is Corey Stahl? Corey Stahl, oh, the- he's on uh, the House of Cards and uh, it was on The Strain also. Oh, I was thinking Jared Stahl, who's dating, I think, Michelle Beadle. He's on The Kings. Yeah, I also saw him in a terrible movie with Liam Neeson that was like a taken ripoff, but he's on a plane. Did you, did you see that one? No. Yeah. I, I was like, still taken one and I, I you know, that's... Uh, I you weren't seen taken with it? I know it was good, but like two and three, I hear three is atrocious, first of all. Okay. All Which right. reminds me of my top 10 list that we haven't done. And we'll, we, we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> we'll get to next week. On next week's show, we're going to talk about Akiva's top 10 movies of 2014. All right. Uh, Johnny D. Silvera has a, a couple of different questions. Uh, wants to know, uh, dear Rob and Akiva uh, wants to know, uh, hashtag latex salesman is available and not commonly used if you two need an idea for a hashtag. Is that something? Okay. It is um, something. 
also uh, says, I realize Akiva might be too young, but uh, Rob, do you remember game six at all? I've got a memorable baseball game I will always remember, but it's game seven of the 2001 World Series because he's a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah, by the way, I don't want to call out Johnny DeSilvera here, but, you know, if you on Twitter, he's a fan of like 20 different teams. Yeah. And they're all in different places. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you know, we, I need a backstory on that, John. But they're not but, necessarily uh, yeah, no, all I don't good remember. teams. Like he roots for the Tennessee Titans. It's not a front runner. Yeah, he's runner. not a front runner, but <laughs> I think he lives in Canada and his teams are all over like the world. Yeah. He gets to pick whatever you want. I guess. I guess you do. But um, no, I don't remember game six because I had just turned three. But yes. Rob, do you remember game six? No, I really don't. I mean, it was game six was probably was on at I would have been, you know, eight years old in, uh, you know, the around that time and just but, turning eight. And I was like long in bed by the time, uh, you know, it rolled around to the second or third. But do you eight. remember do you remember the Mets run that year at all? or not? A little bit, a little a, a little bit like I, I remember uh, like the like because they used to play like some day games also like i kind of remember a little bit from like the nlcs with the astros and stuff like that um so i remember that a, li a little bit and like the 88 stuff is uh more vivid in my head than the 86 yeah, I, stuff i remember the 88 games being on but i was too young to sort of understand although i i have seen all the 86 games because i have the dvds and every year when the mets are sort of out of it i put them on and you know <laughs> you get me out of my misery like and think oh why can't it be like this yeah, again makes you feel better okay um let's take a question from uh tate tate wants to know uh what do you think kramer did to the baby yeah like we said it's edited really strangely i mean I, he just dropped it right yeah oh i know that I, I think that he probably uh just dropped the baby i think that's that's probably it. i mean maybe we can just hope he like bumped the baby's head on the crib yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that happens to babies all the time. You know, they bump their head or yeah. something. They're but crying. You don't know why they're crying. The implication is that he dropped the baby because the callback at the end to the Keith Hernandez stuff is like, oh, yes. he's got to handle it like a baby. So um, I think it's definitely he dropped the baby. Yeah, he dropped it, but maybe not all the way to the ground. But also, like, why do these people, you know, the second baby is, we know is, is hideous. Uh, and this baby, like, it's cute, but it also looks like Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. I don't know. What's wrong with these babies? <laughs> I don't know. Also, Tate wants to know, isn't helping someone move much more inconvenient than driving them to the airport? How many friend dates do you need to go on before asking for either? So what would be yeah. the correct uh, amount of time? Well, right. We've, we've established that uh, driving someone to the airport, unless you live in, like, uh, some, you know, godforsaken place, like Minnesota, and it's, like, five hours from the airport. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, I'd say about eight years of wow. knowing somebody before you ask them to move. <laughs> eight years. I think that's probably, that's about right. That's about right. All right. Uh, or if you were like, uh, in like war with them, I think that that is sort of accelerates things. I, yeah. If, if it's an army buddy, I agree. That is like a higher level of friendship than like will have. Yeah. That accelerates the friendship <laughs> uh, greatly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question. Chester weighs in. He says that Keith asked Jerry to help him move. Keith Hernandez earned nearly 20 million on the field alone and he can't afford schleppers. Uh, yeah, that's right. Listen, Keith, he says the stuff is fragile. He doesn't want them to break it. Yes. Um, by the way, uh, Schleppers is a real uh, company. Is this a product placement by Chester? Does he own this no, company? No, he does not work for a moving company. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, wants to know about uh, <laughs> wants to know uh, the tallest women that that we've slept with. 
Wow. Well, first of all, I, I emailed him back and I said, are you asking how tall my wife is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> then also wants to uh, talk about uh, Magellan DeSoto. Who's your favorite explorer, Akiva? Yeah, uh, this I, I, I really thought about. Um, and I'm going to say Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. What, no Ponce de Leon? Yeah, uh, Ponce de Leon, it's funny you mentioned, without question, my least favorite explorer. <laughs> Why? Because he discovered Florida, which obviously was the biggest mistake we've ever made. <laughs> he shouldn't have told anybody about Florida. Yeah. What about Marco Polo on Netflix? Are you going to check that out? I uh, hear it's terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I always I always see what Seppenwall has to say, and he did not like it. Did not like it. Okay. All right. Akiva, what's up next on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast? Listen, we don't go down too far because it's the limo. The limo. Boom. One of the greats. Yeah. Well, that's going to be fun. Yeah, we're not messing around here in season three. You know, this is not season two. We're, we're, it's, you know, we're going from good one to good one. It's, uh, it's full speed. Full speed ahead. All right. So this has been our longest episode to date. How are you holding up? I'm holding up well. We have two more two-parters in the next like six weeks. So oh start drinking coffee. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So it's an inopportune time for me to move is what you're saying. Well, we, we have, you have a few weeks notice. And the truth is um, the third and fourth episodes of season four uh, were aired the same night, but they have different names. So I guess, you know, you could go either way with, uh, with whether it's one episode or two. Okay. All right. We'll see well, how we feel. Akiva, fantastic yeah. job once again. What do you want to go with for the hashtag? Uh, I mean, we could do latex salesman. Latex salesman. Okay, good. So we'll talk about uh, latex salesman. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Scott St. Pierre for all the help with the edit on this episode. And thanks to uh, Mike Moore, who writes the weekly recap of the Seinfeld podcast. We love to hear what you guys have to say. Also, we check the comments. We try to respond whenever we can. Go to postshowrecaps.com and click on the image for this episode. And you can see everything that the other fans are saying as well at postshowrecaps.com. And of course, you can subscribe and leave us your comments and feedback and ratings on iTunes at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. All right, Akiva, you ready for next week? I'm ready. And if someone wants a, uh, you know, an unsolved mystery recommendation or a documentary recommendation, just tweet at me. I'll, I'll give you one. Yes. All right. Take care, everybody. I'm Rob Sesternino. 